Well, we're at Matthew chapter 16, and I'll just do uh, read that while we're finishing with the offering. And uh, if anybody hasn't had bread and wine, please feel free. We're free to take that as and when you wish. Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot read the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left there and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they discussed it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves and the five thousand, how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to perceive that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Father, we just pray that you would guide our minds, open our minds, open our hearts, open our thoughts this morning to understand your word and to receive life-giving faith and grace through them. In Jesus' name, amen. We've had a bit of a theme this morning of... uh, faith and of doing things uh, honorably and in the spirit, we could say, and it's all about whether you do things with the right heart, isn't it? Whether you do things with faith. My topic this morning is actually faith and the renewing of our minds. Faith and renewing of minds. You know, all the stuff we've done, drinking grape juice and eating bread and washing feet and all these things, what value are they if we don't have any faith? They're actually odd things, aren't they? Like really, you wouldn't necessarily just have a bit of dry bread without butter and a bit of juice called wine. Actually, you'd rather have some real wine and a nice dinner right now, wouldn't you? Really, apart from faith, these things are kind of silly. I mean, Tim washed my wife's feet. I've never been able to wash her feet. Her feet are so ticklish, I wouldn't even touch them. If you don't have faith, you're not going to wash your feet, believe me. A lot of faith. Hallelujah. So we do these things which in themselves are silly, but it's the faith, you know, taking stuff to Kelly's, uh, uh, what Kelly was saying to to the prophetic fresh encounters, we do it in faith. We do it with honor. We do it with our mind, mindful of God, mindful of the Holy Spirit's presence in them. And faith is a hard thing to define, isn't it? It's kind of a... It's kind of a hard thing to define. Just when you think you've been to understand it, it sort of slips out of your mind and sort of dissipates, isn't it? Faith, and it's used in all kinds of ways in the world. But with us, faith is the substance of our connection with God, isn't it? It's really the nature, the substance. And actually, it's the substance of any relationship, isn't it? Faith. You believe in that the person is actually there where you don't talk to them. You know, you, you believe they understand you. You receive and understand back from them. It's a kind of two-way communication, a connection. Our faith is our connection, really, with God. But 
even having said something like that, that's sort of one way of defining it, you know, it sort of slips away and it kind of still feels like, what is this thing anyway? And I want to, particularly this morning, I want to pick up on this little uh, phrase, all men of little faith, why? And uh, there's actually four places in the Gospel of Matthew where this little phrase occurs. All men of little faith, or in one case, all man of little faith, when he's talking to Peter. And those four, I'm going to look at those four, because each of them has a why question. And in the why, you understand why it is that they didn't have faith. And hopefully then we would find an answer. Okay, what do we need to get hold of in order to have more faith? Right? Simple. I'm really talking simple level today. Very basic thing. You don't have any faith. Why don't you have any faith? Here's the reason you don't have any faith. Or what can we do about it? getting some faith? Isn't that actually... It's simple, isn't it? All right? Okay. I can say more stuff about that, but I will keep it simple. I'll just say this by way of introduction still, before I get into those four. In Mark's Gospel, in, right alongside this passage, right after this bit that we've read, there's a story of a man, a blind man being healed. So obviously, if you put it all together, and actually if you put John's Gospel in as well, Jesus did a whole bunch of teaching at this point. He healed a blind man at this point, and it's a unique healing as well. And then he gave a bunch of teaching. This is where he taught about the bread of life and about my body and about my blood. And then they all got offended by that and said, what? I'm not going to eat your body and drink your blood. And that's crazy. And it was all that, all that teaching was going on in there. And he was saying, it's about the spirit. You're missing the point. It's about the spirit. It's all about faith. It's about the spirit. It's connecting with God. It's being in reality. So that's, that's where that's going. But in this little story in Mark, about the blind man, is that one unique one where Jesus actually prayed twice, remember? Where he healed this blind man, and he said, okay, can you see now? And the guy said, yeah, I can see, but the men look like trees walking around. All right? So then Jesus prayed for him again, and then he said, okay, now it looks right. And I've heard lots of sermons about this, but I'm just going to make this one little point today. Obviously, the man had a physical eye problem that Jesus healed the first time around. But if you think about it, if somebody's never seen anything before, what do they actually have going on in their, in their imagination? Goodness knows what goes on in there, eh? Man born blind. He's just learned to, by verbal descriptions and by the sound of things, and he's going to have some kind of picture in his head. So his wires were all crossed. This guy, when he saw what he thought trees would roughly look like, is what he saw with the crowd all around him. All right? His mind was a little skewiff. So then he had to be healed of that. Now, isn't that an interesting little event to take place in this whole context of teaching of faith? Our minds need to be renewed. We have this word, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's not just our eyes open. We can begin to be aware of spiritual things, to see spiritual things, and begin to see who Jesus is and all that, but we can still come to crazy conclusions and have all kinds of mixed up stuff going on in our heart. This thing is being crazy to me. Doesn't like this message, it's got a problem with it. <laughs> um, I have to switch the other mic if it carries on, we'll just see. Okay, so it's all about our minds being renewed, our eyes being open to see, and our minds being renewed so that we're thinking straight and right about things, okay? Now again, just by way of introduction, before I actually go into these four points, 
Let me, let's just have a very quick look at the, at the passage itself, just so we kind of understand. Because I've always, remember when I was a kid and I, these Pharisees were coming asking for a sign? I must say I did identify with them. I still do. I think, Jesus, I would really like a sign right now. Have you ever felt that? Yeah. We actually find ourselves identifying with these guys quite a bit. We should bear in mind, though, in the context that he had just done some couple of pretty miraculous signs right there. <laughs> right? So this would be like going into the middle of a Reinhard Bonnke crusade where, you know, 75 people have just been healed of blindness and a couple of people raised from the dead. And then saying, oh, Reinhard, could you just show me a sign that you really have uh, something from heaven? And it's like, I'm, you know, it's, it, it, it was pretty crazy uh, what they were saying. But Jesus um, didn't say, well, I've already just done a sign. He didn't answer them that way. There's something in their hearts. They were looking for some kind of proof and some kind of... Uh, I think it's really the way they were posturing themselves over him. They were, they were taking the high seat and trying to make him their servant of their system, bring him into, underneath their system of thought. It's... Um, you know, it's like, it, you might call it political posturing. It's like, we are the ones in charge. We are the religious authorities here. So now we're taking over the meeting, and we say, okay, now this young man from Nazareth, he seems to have a lot of miraculous signs. Why don't he just come up and demonstrate for us one of his tricks, one of his party tricks? Do you see who's sort of taken charge of the situation and taken authority? Remember we talked before about the battle of headship. People do that. You've probably had it happen to you in church even, where people suddenly maneuver politically, posture themselves over and take over the situation. And Jesus was very, very resistant to that. He never actually submitted to the Pharisees and the Sadducees' teaching. Never. Even though they were older and uh, you know, had been in these positions of authority, he never ever came in and submitted to them. And he didn't submit to them because they had an unclean spirit. That's what he went on and said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. This is a spiritual thing. Because actually... When we talk about having faith and saying it's a connection, our connection with God, if you have unbelief, we say unbelief, and uh, that comes up in a number of places in these passages, we're really not talking about not believing in anything. We're not really talking about not having any faith. We're actually talking about having faith in something else. See what I'm saying here? It's not like this big neutral area of unbelief and then a few special people have faith in God. There actually is no neutral area. Everybody has faith in something. It's just what you have faith in, isn't it? It's absolutely true, isn't it? There is no, you know, if people don't say they don't believe in God, even if they say, I'm an atheist, well, they have a lot of faith in their own head, which I don't have much in their heads, but they do, and in some kind of, quasi-science they've cobbled together and some bit of philosophy they've written. Like, they have a lot of faith in that, don't they? Sure, they do. And believe it or not, that system of thought or philosophy, like the teaching of the Pharisees or the teaching of the Sadducees, actually has some leaven in it. And by leaven, we really mean spirit, spiritual power. There is spiritual. So the irony of an atheist who doesn't, an atheistic materialist is that he is bought into the doctrine of some demon and is serving a demonic mind and is linked into a demonic mind. He is not in a neutral territory. There is no neutral territory. Believe me, if there was neutral territory, nobody is in it and it doesn't exist. It's the sort of region beyond the universe, which isn't there, even scientifically. All right? It is a non-place. There is no neutral place. 
You've got to believe in something. Sure. Everybody actually believes in something. Sure. And so Jesus is talking about being aware. And actually, in Mark's Gospel, he also lists the, not just the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but the leaven of Herod. The leaven of Herod. Worldly philosophies and systems, including humanism, which is our, the big thing that rules our society, our world, and we're talking about politically correctness and all. It's just a little subset of, of a big philosophy called humanism that's been around from the beginning, and it is full of demonic power. It is not actually human. It is ironically a demonic deception. Okay? It is a spiritual beast that has arisen out of the sea of humanity. It is a demonic power. If you're offended by that, you're in the wrong church, guys. <laughs> you're actually in the wrong church. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Hallelujah. But what we want to do is grow in faith in Jesus. Faith in God. That's the faith that we're talking about. And we want to have a lot less faith in the world, the world's philosophies and systems, be they Pharisee or Sadducee. The Sadducees and the Pharisees were kind of a left-wing, right-wing matrix, by the way. You know, political kind of authority with mixed with a bit of religion. The Sadducees were kind of aristocratic liberals. The Pharisees were kind of middle-class conservatives. There's been all kinds of shades and blends of them over the years in the way they approach life, but um, it is a leaven. It is an unclean spirit in it, and Jesus said, beware of it. Now, the funny thing was with the disciples, they were actually having one of those dumb arguments. It was a dumb argument, like they forgot to bring any bread. And so it was one of those dumb arguments, like, who didn't bring the bread? Who forgot to bring the bread? Who didn't empty the dishwasher is the question in our house. Who didn't empty the dishwasher? Well, obviously, nobody, yeah, everybody didn't empty. Everybody forgot to bring the bread. But they were having one of those kind of discussions. And Jesus was trying to take them into this realm of discussion about the whole nature of the spiritual universe. And they were talking about the fact they had only one loaf of bread left. And that loaf of bread had been across the sea. It had been in a basket. It hadn't been in a plastic bag. It was probably soaked with seawater. And they're looking, and their minds are focused on this, and they're having a discussion about who forgot to bring the bread. All right? Jesus, understandably, slightly frustrated as he often is, and says, you men of little faith... I am telling you the secrets of the universe, and you're discussing a little domestic issue of who forgot the bread. <laughs> All right? All right, we'll come back to that in a minute, because let's go to look at these four. That's the fourth place, and uh, we'll come back to that in a minute. The first place where this little phrase, and it occurs four times in Matthew, once in Luke, I believe, but I'm just saying four times in Matthew. You know I love the number four, because it is the number of universality. When you find a four of anything, you know that it's covering all the bases, all right? I won't cover all the bases about faith from each of you, but if you were to get into the full teaching from these four bits, you would find the universal answer, the full answer to this question of why are you of men of little faith? All right, all four of them are here. There's four points. And the first one is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. Well-known passage where Jesus is talking about us. Uh, Matthew 6, well, let's just see... Um, yeah, it occurs there, and I'll just read a little bit. Well, it's verse 25 in Matthew 6, so I'll start there. For therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither gather 
reap nor sow nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, <coughs> even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field today, which is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O men of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying what should we eat or drink or whatever. So the question is, why? Why are these guys anxious and of little faith? Did you get the answer? It's a mindset problem. It's something going on in the head. They're seeing trees instead of men. <laughs> or we are. It's to all of us. It is a perception of our own value. How valuable am I to God? That's the underlying issue here. Don't you know you're more valuable than the birds? Don't you know you're more valuable than the flowers? Actually, we don't know that. That's our problem. We actually don't. In our heads, we have been bombarded with this agenda, the leaven of Pharisees, Sadducees, humanism, atheism, and everything else that's bombarding out there. And we have actually believed a whole bunch of things from this world about our value. Yeah? We have a very low view of our own value because the world has taught us a value system based mainly on outward things to start with, okay? So if you're too old or too young or too fat or too thin or if you've lost too much hair or if your hair's turned the wrong color, all of these things, your value, you start out, well, you reach, you know, so in the world system, you reach kind of maximum value when you're about 18, 19, 20, early 20s, isn't it? That, that's what the world, they think that's lovely. That's maximum value. Worth absolutely nothing in the world system when you're just conceived. And in many societies, young children, pretty, pretty valueless. Reach this zenith of value when you're just, everything is just right. You've got absolutely no, no disabilities or blemishes of any kind. You, you look great. You're handsome. You're fit. Uh, you know, you're smart. You're well-educated. You've been you're in the right kind of family situation. Just in that brief band, you're worth something. And then in the world, your value just starts dropping right off, doesn't it? And man, after you reach about 70, it just plummets big time, doesn't it? Whoa. It's true, isn't it? They don't actually quite say it, but everything they do and every way they act in this world is shouting it into your head, isn't it? And very few of us here, just looking over us, actually meet that criteria of being very, very valuable, including the guy standing up here. You know, we're looking, like our value is pretty depreciated, isn't it? And we believe it. We have taken it on board. Way, way too much. More than you realize. Because it's a brainwashing. If it's just hammered at you night and day, every time you turn on the TV, every time you go out, if it's just hammered onto you, it eventually rubs off on you. 
Now, what does God say about our value? See, the Holy Spirit, God, puts a totally different value on us. In the first place, he looks at the inside, and he values us for what he saw and created in the very beginning. Our age is irrelevant. How fat or thin we are is irrelevant. How smart we are is irrelevant. I mean, they may be matter a little bit somewhere, but as far as our fundamental value to God, every human being is absolutely unique and precious to him. He does not say, oh, well, I lost a couple there. I'll just replace them with a couple more over here. He does not think that. He is grieved over everyone who is lost. Everyone. Over you. You are not replaceable. You are not replaceable to God. You need to be saved. You need to be rescued. And even the people in the world as well who are even shouting this, okay, because we don't want to get into the other thing and say all oh, those bad guys that are devaluing us, every one of them is also precious. Every perverted, twisted, crazy-headed person in the world is also a unique creation by God who he loves and he wants them to be saved. Amen. Do you know that? We need to be very careful not to get on either side of this Pharisee, Sadducee thing. Start arguing with the world and hating people that just because they are so weird and so evil and so sinful, which they are. But so are we, actually, mostly. Or have been, if the Lord hasn't rescued us. And he's still doing a lot of work on a lot of us, isn't he? Actually, me, he is doing a lot of work on me. I've got a lot of mixed up stuff going on in my heart a lot of time. My wife can tell you all about that, but don't. But anyway. All right. I'm just saying, it's important that we get ourselves, our heads, into God's value system. Man, we need to hear this. How precious, how beautiful every little creature is to God. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross. Because he valued every one of us as much as he valued his son, Jesus. In fact, the father just locked his heart into each and every one of us. And he wasn't going to let go. And I believe this. That if Jesus hadn't intervened and gone to the cross and died, that the Father and the whole thing would have just ground down to nothing. It would have ended in darkness and chaos that was right there at the beginning. Because the Father was not going to let go. He kept on loving us even though we sinned. Because we were absolutely precious to him. More precious than his own life. That's true, isn't it? That's what Jesus shows us on the cross, that we are more precious to him than his own life. And he shows us what the Father is like. That's at the heart of God about each and every one of you. More precious. You will not hear that message coming from this world. The NHS will rate you how important you are, how quick you're going to get into something. Everybody, even good guys in the world. All right? I'm not condemning them. Well, I am, sort of. Relative to God, I'm just saying, it's false, it's a lie, and we need to get rid of that lie. If we don't get rid of that lie, we'll be anxious, always anxious. Our life will be full of anxiety. That's what, he's, that's what it teaches, isn't it? Why are you anxious? Because of this, because you haven't heard the value. You know, and we need to spend 
time basking in that light of God's love and value. You know, sometimes you need to just meditate on the scripture. Sometimes you need to just listen to worship songs and let the spirit of God tell you how beautiful and precious you are. That would be a worthwhile thing spending time doing. And it would be really good not to watch and listen to all that kind of stuff that exalts and values a particular narrow little band of beauty or whatever the world values. Do you get that? It's easy, isn't it? It's kind of simple, and yet it's actually so crucial to the heart of it. That's the beginning. The first time men of little faith, well, you've just bought into the world's thing. Of course, we could go on and on about this, all the different things that go on in the world that devalue us, certainly, you know. But I think you get the idea. Let's move on from that one. We'll probably touch it again as we come, go along. And the sec- second time this little phrase occurs, 826, is when they were out in a storm in a boat. They'd been ministering all day, and Jesus was tired. He went to sleep. Verse 23 of Matthew 8. And they got into a boat, and his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they woke meant and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O men of little faith? Then he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and they marveled, saying, What sort of man is this? Okay. So the problem is they're in danger of getting drowned in a storm. And we could apply that, obviously, spiritually and Uh, physically, the physical things happen that are dangerous, but also we find ourselves sometimes spiritually in a storm that we feel our our whole life and are just going to fall apart in some way. And the the thing was here, not anxiety is in the last one, but it's fear this time. But what's the answer to this situation? Okay, last time it was our value. This time, it again is a thing of our mindset is that we're failing to take account of the fact that Jesus is asleep in our boat. Now, if you've got Jesus in your life, part of the whole training experience, like these were disciples, they were in training, part of the whole training experience, this is what Jesus will do to you, and it's, it's here in this passage, but it's also in a number of the parables where he says, you know, the kingdom of God is like a king. He got some servants to look after his vineyard. Then he went away on a trip into a far country. There's a number of passages like that. All right? Now, we are told that Jesus is with us all the time, but it doesn't always feel like it. It actually does not always feel like it. Sometimes he is asleep in the boat. Sometimes it seems he went off to a far country to sort out some issue of something else. He's over in Africa, blessing those guys down there. He's in South America, but he's not here. I want him, right? And guess what we start doing? We start getting afraid, and we start living our life as if he isn't there. Yeah? But the truth is, and this is what we need to hit into our minds, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am, maybe he's asleep in the boat. 
He is never, ever going to leave you. He has not left you. He is with you today, even if you feel like you're having a rotten day. I wake up some mornings, like the night before, I was blessed. I was chatting with friends. I was having a lovely time. I felt blessed. The next morning, I wake up, and it just looks like the world looks dreary. My heart feels empty. I think God has gone off to a far country again. I think I'm going to go there with him if I can find a way to get the ticket. You ever feel? That's not just me, is it? And then you think, oh, other people in the church, they don't have this. They try and, you know, yeah, we all have it, don't we? Hallelujah. But, you know, we need, this is where, you know, when I was a, this is an aspect of faith that really used to be emphasized when I was a young man, that we walk by faith and not by feeling. Remember that one? I love a lot of feeling and vibes of the Holy Spirit and all that too, so don't get me wrong. But there is days where you just hang on to the facts. Jesus is asleep in the boat. You don't even, actually, I get the impression that he would have preferred they would have done something with the wind themselves and let him sleep. Because he was trying to train them. So rather than just panic and do those crazy panic prayers, why don't you, next time you're having a day like that, try to let him sleep and have a go at the wind yourself. I actually think that's what he wants. Do it next time. That dreary day is coming upon you. Just rebuke that thing. You say, just all right, Lord, you can sleep. I'm okay with this one. I'm learning. Hallelujah. It's good, isn't it? That's a really good thing to do. Have a go at the wind yourself. Goodness, it might just pull it off. You might just pull it off and shift the atmosphere. Without even that, waking up the Lord. Hallelujah. So it is just not sane to go on living and acting as if Jesus isn't with you when he actually is with you. Okay? He's with you. Third time this little phrase occurs. 14, 31. And it was, this time it was, oh man of little faith. It's where Peter was walking on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come out of the water. And so Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying, O man of little faith, why did you doubt? Okay? So you want to walk on water. And that's the context. And this is the context not of fear, but of doubt. Doubt is one of the opposites of faith, isn't it? So anxiety is an opposite of faith. Fear. In this case, we're looking at doubt. So he actually had faith. He heard the word of Jesus, and he stepped out on that word of Jesus. He was in faith, but then what happened? The wind was there. He saw the wind, it says. Remember we talked about this not that long ago. He began to perceive the spiritual forces in the wind, the energy that was against him, the ill will of the devil, the sort of hostility of the world, if you like. We're trying to walk on the world. We're trying to live in this spiritual realm. And all of a sudden, we, we become too aware of all that's against us. And even our brothers and sisters are letting us down and forgetting to bring the bread and doing all stuff, you know. <laughs> all little stuff like that as well. Really annoying stuff going on. And sometimes all that clutter and sound drowns out that he forgot that little word come that Jesus had said. And he saw the wind and he began to be too aware of the problems. 
this is really uh, where doubt can come in. And this is when we need, again, to keep our focus on Jesus. Just remember that word. Remind ourselves of that word that he originally said. When we step out and do something, you know, halfway through, it's easy to forget the actual original calling and what Jesus actually said. Remember, we forget the prophecy. We don't write the prophecies down. We don't, we don't remember what people said, and we start drifting into doubt and lose faith. Okay? So important. Keep looking at Jesus and keep listening and remind ourselves. Now, he didn't sit there saying, come, 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 come. Did he just said it once? Again, it's a little bit of a test, isn't it? Now, of course, Jesus rescued him, but he rebuked him because he would have liked him to actually walk around there and show off a bit. He actually would have been happy for him to show off a bit. Any of you felt like you'd like to show off in church? This is legitimate. If you can walk on water, we will all be very entertained. No, no we're not asking for a sign. See, that would be asking for a sign. Okay. But no. He, Jesus was quite happy for him to keep walking around. And maybe if they walked around a bit longer, all the other guys would have got out of the boat and done, had a little walk too. I, you know, it could have gone better. But anyway, so again, hang on to the first that word that Jesus says. If you step out of a boat onto something, don't get distracted by all the sound of your own wheels that starts going on around you, the wind. You know, everything's in the wind. The devil will throw all sorts of stuff at you. Okay? Remember, hang on to that word. Hang on to the word that Jesus said that you heard. Don't, don't let it go. Now, fourthly, and that actually brings us right into this passage that we read out earlier today, chapter 16. And... <clears throat> But Jesus, aware that he had said this, because they were talking about not having any bread, they had this one little loaf that was probably a bit worse for the wear. And uh, he said, O men of little faith, why do you discuss, discuss among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? It was true. It was a truth that they were focused on. But it was, in the scheme of things, a tiny, tiny tiny little truth. In the context of just having fed, you know, 20,000 people out of a few loaves, it was kind of a dumb thing to be focused on in that context, so that's referenced. But in the context of what Jesus was teaching about the whole spiritual reality of the whole world, the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herod, the big picture thing that Jesus was trying to teach them, and he was trying to get their eyes open so they see who he himself was, and that actually he had enough bread to feed the whole world, spiritually speaking. So that was the lesson he was trying to teach them. In the midst of this big lesson, all of a sudden, the teacher is distracted by some students over here arguing about a tiny little crumb that was sitting on the floor over there. It's a question of focus. It's a question of getting our heads into the big picture. You know, God has called us to have a big picture focus. This gospel is to go to the whole world. We are caught up in the massive spiritual conflict of the ages. Did you know that? It is a spirit. The whole world is spiritual. People have faith. We are in our times. It's a massive thing, isn't it? It looks quite discouraging from a Christian point of view sometimes. But I want to read Isaiah 60. This is to take us to the big picture thing. You know, we need to come to the big picture. You're looking at the little picture. 
that little loaf of bread, you know, little problem, a few people forgot something. You know, it's, it's, it's the churches so often got lost. And uh, remember when I was at Bible school, one of the, one of the watchwords of the uh, Caponite thing is, we don't major on the minors. We don't major on the minor issues. Okay, so they didn't get caught up in tiny little theological disputes and kind of tiny little areas. And it's a good, a good focus, a good little phrase to remember. But I just want to read Isaiah just to give us the big picture thing. And I believe this is what Jesus was trying to get the disciples into in this section. Uh, and the whole church, it's the section on the church. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 60 of Isaiah. Arise, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. That was true of the disciples, wasn't it? The glory of the Lord had arisen upon them. Jesus himself, the Son of God, was standing in their midst. And he says, Behold, darkness will cover the earth, and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see. Let all gather together. They come to you, your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried in your arms. It is easy to get a pretty negative view and think things are terrible in the world right now, isn't it? If you have to turn on the news and whatever, from a Christian point of view. But if we get the big picture thing, we should not be surprised. Thick darkness is covering the people. Darkness, evil evil choices, evil statements about God, evil accusations, Christians being slaughtered and murdered in many, many countries around the world. All that is going on. Even in the great sort of bastions of Western Christendom, the governments seem to be falling over each other to quickly make laws to force people into immorality and to accept all kinds of perversion. Thick darkness is covering the people. But, hey, God knew this. 1,000 thousand B.C., just already, these, Isaiah wrote these words. This is how the whole thing is going to wrap up in the end. It's, the world is going to go into a darker and darker thing. The leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, the leaven of Herod, all of these leavens, these spiritual powers are going to come to a fullness of a harvest. Uh, humanism is going to reach its climax. 666, the beast, it's a human number. It's the climax of humanism uh, will actually finally take a head, headship in uh, areas of the earth, thick darkness. But guess what? At the same time, you and I, God's people, the glory of God, an ever-increasing glory, and all throughout the earth at the same time, more people are getting saved now than ever. Massive revivals and salvation is taking place. More miracles are taking place today than it took place during the whole ministry of Jesus. All over the world, a light is rising, and ultimately, that light is going to prevail. Amen. It's actually going to prevail. Amen. And the kings and confused peoples of the earth are going to come Hallelujah. and begging for wisdom yeah. and insight how to manage these things that are falling apart. Yeah. That's how this whole show is going to end. And you know, every once in a while, when we're getting caught up and worrying about that little bit of bread that we're worrying about and somebody didn't do this and that and the other in the church, that's a moment to step back and hear the words of Jesus. Say, hey, we're, this is big picture stuff. And every one of us, Jesus, he's not like one of those kings far off with all these secrets and he doesn't tell us. He's told us the whole picture. He's drawn us. He's invited us all up. There's, not, there's no elite inner circle of special people that know this. This is written for everybody. Yes. You are to know. 
the big picture thing. You are to go into your office and into your work tomorrow aware of what's going to happen so you don't get caught up in petty little things down on the ground. Get your head into the big picture. Hear from Jesus. It's so important for faith. It's an important act. Focus. And that informs, because our faith comes from heaven. It comes from God. It's a gift from God. So we get our heads up there. It's the realm of faith. And then we can dip down into the darkness for a little while and do a little bit. We have to do it. Get back up into that place. Our heads. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places, aren't we? We understand the big picture. Let it feed our spirits. Feed our spirits uh, more than our, our bodies. You know? Feed our worry about feeding our spirit more than our, our body. That's what Jesus... I don't know what they actually did for bread that day. Perhaps they missed a meal. So what? And maybe they missed a meal. Most of us, well, speaking to myself, wouldn't really hurt us to miss a meal now and then anyway, would it? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody forgot the bread. Oh, we don't have any bread today. Fine. Well, let's just get into what Jesus is teaching. Let's, let's get our heads into the heavens. Yeah? It's a question of focus, a question of balance. Seek first the kingdom, and all the little details will fall into place. We go... Back to that first verse. Concentrate on the little problems, and they will rule your life. You know that? The little things will rule your life if you let them. Amen. Father, I just pray, Lord, let these words of faith come into our hearts. We want to be those, Lord, who are right there with you, rising. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week and God bless.